0: So I want to open up in prayer at this time, I want to draw, I want to ask for your undivided attention and uh, your prayerful consideration to join with me to petition before the Lord that he would have his way, that he would move, um, that he would speak to us. So Father, we come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, we ask right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask by virtue of your holy and precious and powerful and matchless name, Lord, that you would join with us, Father. Father God, I ask God right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would give me the words to speak. I pray, Father, that you would anoint my lips. I pray, Father, that you would guide and govern the entirety of this meeting Father, we pray, Lord, that your name would be glorified. We pray that your name would be honored. We pray that your name, O Lord, would be lifted high and would be exalted above the heavens. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth like a two-edged sword. Father, I pray that you would expose the intents and the motives of the heart. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would afflict the comfortable and you would comfort the afflicted. Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would dispel every Lie that the devil would attempt to concoct, you uh, would dispel and discard and refute and contradict every lie that the devil has tried to feed your your people. God, lift up every single soul that may be tempted to despair. Lift up every soul, Lord, that would be tempted to draw back into hopelessness and and fear and timidity and discouragement and disappointment father your word says that wherever the spirit of the lord is there is liberty and there is freedom there is freedom from bondage there is freedom from fear there's freedom from depression father god i ask god that right now that you would set us free that you would set our feet upon a rock that your holy spirit would transmit joy would refresh joy would refresh our hope would refresh our peace god i pray right now for divine clarity father for divine vision For divine hope, Lord God, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you, Lord, would fuse me with your anointing. And, Lord, that you would give me insight. Father, I pray that your word would go forth, Lord, prophetically, God. And that you would bind every demon that would try to hinder the word that would go forth. Father, you are welcome here. And I pray that your name would have preeminence this place, oh God, this is holy territory, this is holy ground, Father, I pray that you would birth destiny in our hearts, I pray that you would educate us in the Holy Spirit, educate us, Lord, in the Spirit of God, God, make us prayerful people, make us people, Lord, after your own heart, God, so I pray that the altar on our, the fire on the altar will never go out, the fire on the altars of our hearts will never go out, O oh Lord. Father, may it burn and burn and burn and burn and burn. And may the fires of those that have that need to be rekindled, Lord, I pray that you would breathe afresh on it, Lord. Have your way, O oh God. Have your way, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, help me, Father. Help me, Lord. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and through Christ, we can do all things. So, God, I pray that you would make me an able minister in this in this hour. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen and amen. <clears throat> amen. Welcome everyone, God bless you, Amen. we're delighted to have you, <clears throat> I want to be talking to you guys about an Im- an important topic central to our faith, and it's a reoccurring topic, a reoccurring theme that I often um, revisit, and there's a significant purpose for my revisitation to this topic, namely Prayer and there's many things that you can say and speak about. You can talk about its pers- the persistency. You can talk about uh, the necessity for our reliance upon the Holy Spirit. We can draw our attention to the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ. We can focus in on the on the intercessor, uh, the intercession aspect. And there's so much that we can talk about. Um, but there's two ideas that I kind of want to conjoin today. And it's the idea, uh, well, primarily the the umbrella is prayer, most generally, but two ideas subsequent to that and underneath that, I, I hope to conjoin together and it's the idea of persistence and the idea of open doors in prayer. If there's anything that we hope to accomplish in prayer it is answers thereto if there is anything that we seek to accomplish in this holy art of prayer it is the answers to the very things that we petition before God I don't think that any Christian in our right mind that has any understanding of the promises that Jesus provides for his people that God communicates to his people that he makes very he makes well known that are available to them, anyone in their right mind would not accept that invitation for the purpose of having no answers. I don't go to an encyclopedia to gain no answers. I don't go and click on Google expecting that I won't get an answer in response to my question. We understand that there's a purpose, there's a function for Google, and it's that it provides information, often censored and often, you know, the information we sometimes do want to get is uh, jacked up, and it's placed very far below in the algorithm, and there's purposes for that. But nonetheless, we have some sort of hope. Maybe you're trying to find how to... uh make a recipe for for your food and stuff like that. Uh, But the idea, though, is that God, He (coughs) invites us, no, in fact, He commands us to give our heart into this holy practice. I heard it said one time that we don't pray to live the Christian life, but we live the Christian life to pray. Now, that is, a maxim and maxims are generally true and 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 it we we do pray to live the christian life right and so i don't entirely agree with the statement but the idea though is this it illustrates a point and it's that most primarily we as christians live this life for communion with god and that is exactly what prayer amounts to is that we commune with the living God. And our lives will only be as successful and only be as potent and flourishing and, and fruitful as those who lay a hold of the promises of God. But here's the thing, it's not going to just fall into your lap. Um, excuse me, I forgot the record. Recording in progress. It's not going to just fall into your lap. The Bible doesn't say that the kingdom of God suffers violent and that the passive uh, gain it. No, it says that the violent take it by force. The only holy force that we truly have to pull down stronghold, to obtain promises, to have open doors, is the vehicle of prayer. Right? If you want to get de- to destination B, and you're at point A, you're going to have to use a vehicle. And God has designed that the vehicle that we use to obtain or to get to point B is through the vehicle of prayer. Okay? And so, um, I want us to, to read this. <clears throat> it says... Verse 1 in Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, so I want to stop there. And I just want to draw out some insights from the text. First of all, Jesus had a continual, a place of continual resort. Okay. It says right here, it says, was praying in a certain place. How did Judas know where Jesus was? How did the enemies of God know where Jesus was located? He was most often in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's how Judas knew where to look and find the Messiah. See, if I want to find a drunkard, I'm going to go to a bar. Right? Right? If I know that you like to read a lot I'm probably gonna to go to the library see the pat the thing that you're most passionate about I-, I can assume you're gonna you're gonna be in some close proximity to that passion if you like uh, um, whatever right I can if you go to Starbucks or you like coffee. Right, I can expect that you'll be at a coffee shop. Well, the enemies of God knew where Jesus was. Because they identified a characteristic in his life, and it was this. He is a man of prayer, and he often goes to that same place to pray. And so this is how we know, in the case where Judas betrayed Jesus, is the devil will often attack you in the most sacred place, and that is the place of prayer. Even the devil knows, he goes goes this same time every single day, he's going to try to pray. So I'm a a whisper in so-and-so's ear to get their phone to ring, to text, or do whatever. Because I want to distract this person from tapping into that power source. But he says, Lord, teach us to pray. So you don't ask people to teach you to pray who don't know how to pray. And if it was so simple as, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray to the Lord my soul to keep, if I die shall, before I wake, I pray to the Lord my soul to take. If it was so easy as a re- recitation of a, 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 of just words, it wouldn't require... For me to say teach us to do just that. All I would have to do is write it down and memorize it. And as simple as that. But Jesus. There was something unique and peculiar. About his fashion and his form. Of his holy relationship with the Father. Moreover I would imagine that they've witnessed. Several things that Jesus had laid claim to in prayer. And obtained it and had seen the promises that this instrument has provided into the life of the begotten Son of God, and the disciples are looking and they say, we need that. We need that. There's so many today they are saying, teach us to be YouTube influencers. Teach us this, and there's nothing wrong with being taught all these other things. Right? These are good things. I'm not denying the validity and the usefulness of so many things. Teach us philosophy, teach us science, teach us. But if there's anything that is of utmost importance, you can be illiterate in a language and have this holy art of prayer mastered, and you will have power with God of greater influence than people that are networkers that have with each other. Amen. <clears throat> so he says, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So they don't want to pray like the Pharisees. They want to pray like John. And he said to them, well, actually, when they would pray like Jesus, but they understand John taught his disciples, he says, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And I'm going to say something very controversial here, and I I hope to not spend too much time on verses 2 through 4. I want to get to the persistent aspect, but I'm going to say something very controversial, and I don't intend to be a controversialist. I don't like just stepping on toes for the sake of stepping on toes. I think that's immature. I think that's arrogant. But I, I say this with the utmost concern. And I, I I pray that you hear my heart. And I try to be very careful the way I say things if they're offensive, but it does burden my heart. And it, you might you might ask the question why, but it burdens my heart when I when I see many people on social media, or I see sometimes pastors I've witnessed in person. Um, in my ten years of experience, I've seen a lot of them pray behind the pulpit and there's a sense of lightness. There it leaves me in disbelief that this person has given themselves the best of their time to God in this holy art of prayer. Because they're light. What do you mean they're light? What I mean by that is that there's no weight in the spirit. There's no depth. There's no substance, there's no power. You know, for example, I hate to use I hate to use this example, but hopefully it communicates a point. But for those of you that were giving yourselves to drugs, you understood when something was bunk stress versus what was chronic. <laughs> right? Because it affected your high. One was more potent and one was impotent. Right? One got you to a certain state and the other didn't. And so these nonchalant, this this sort of light attitude before a king, I don't believe reflects the way Jesus viewed the father He says, hallowed. Because if we're going to ask the question, what would Jesus do? Because we love asking that question. In fact, we don't even have to ask that question. We we could ask the question, what would Isaiah the prophet do? I see in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, Woe is me, he says, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For I have seen the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. His glory filled the temple. His glory. And I want to ask this question. Is there anything in your vocabulary. That can express that truth. Where you said. I have seen the Lord. High and lifted up. And his glory filled this temple. His glory. See, if you're an unbelieving believer, you won't be able to make sense of that. And it breaks my heart. Because this is what God has called us to, what He invites us to. This is why sin has so much attraction and so much traction and allurement in our lives. Because it is sending us a message And this is the message. The world is glorious. That's what sin is trying to tell you. And if you don't see the glory of God, you're going to be allured by the powers of the world, the flesh, and the devil. I have to to come to the place not through mental exercise or through uh logical argumentation or through explaining to myself in my head about the dangers of the world no i need the father to come down i need the holy spirit to reveal to my heart that this world is destitute and it is worthless and this world has nothing for me but that the glory and the purpose and destiny and the meaning that i have for my life is found in christ amen I need revelation. <coughs> Information is, is ineffective to change our hearts. We need revelation from God. And and we don't we don't merely get one revelation. That's the extent of our Christian walk. It is a progressive revelation. Once and again, we have known God. We have come to know him as Father. We have come to know him as blessed a, a generous, a gracious Father. But I need to be poured out upon me again and I need more revelation time and time again. As Spurgeon once said, we are leaking vessels. I leak. I need to be refilled and refilled and refilled. And I need my eyes open because if I don't I'm going to succumb to blindness. I'm going to stumble every which way. But follow but father hallowed be your name. Hallowed. Holy. Holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, and who is, and who is to come. Sense of awe. I don't know for those of you in, in different countries, you've probably never been there. I've never been there myself, and it's here in America. But when what I've heard it often said is when people stand uh, before the Grand Canyon, there's a sense of awe. There's a sense of majesty. The vastness of the Grand Canyon. Or, and when I go to Pismo and I look at the vastness of the ocean, I stand back. My eye cannot even see the distance. That is but a fraction of the entire world. And I cannot help but sit back and stand in awe of the majesty of God's creation. But that is merely his created order. How much more were through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. When he reveals to our hearts yet again. That he is the creator of the universe. And his infinite power knows no end. His grace knows no bounds. His mercy lasts forever. And his grace extends to all generations. How is it not the case that when he reveals to us yet again in the place of prayer that he is the end all be all in him I live move and have my being and we stand back inevitably with a sense of awe and majesty before the name of him who is hallowed hallowed be your name so now do you understand why the sense of lightness and a nonchalant attitude is unworthy of the creator If I stand before the Grand Canyon or I stand before the vastness of the ocean and I shrug my shoulders and I treat it with contempt as if it is common or just like any other mundane scenery, any other eh, sort of scene, what does that reflect about my heart? I cannot see. And so this is the encouragement that the Father, who is vast, who is infinite, who is omnipresent, who is uh, uh, all-powerful. He invites us to come to Him, as vast as He is, and say, ask of me what you will. Ask of me what you will. In fact, let me, let me at this point, let me read a couple of passages to help to incite faith in your heart. Look at the promises that Jesus provides for us. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mark 11, verse 24, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Not it might be yours and I'll think about it. Or in fact, I'll pray about it. (laughs) I'll pray about it if I want to give it to you. John 14:13 Whatever you ask in my name this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what is predicated upon God answering our prayers? His very glory. That the Son may be glorified, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so God does all things for his glory. If if for mercy's sake wasn't enough, if for grace's sake it wasn't enough, even for his love for the creation wasn't enough. One thing I know of greater certainty than that: that God does all things for His glory. So if He says that He does all things for His glory, and His glory He will not give to another, and that the Son will be glorified, the Father will be glorified in the Son by virtue of Him answering our prayers, then what does that say about my certainty and my confidence in God the Father that He will do what He said He will do? Hallelujah. (coughs) Another verse that says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. (coughs) And in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, this is the Greek, Amen, Amen. Which means amen, amen. So when Jesus repeats himself, you can know of assurance that what he's about to say is important. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You know why you're not joyous? Because you don't pray. But you say, but I pray. I'm still not joyous. That's because you have not obtained answers in prayer. You, don't, and you have not received open doors in prayer because you are lacking persistence. It's not I said it and I forget it. As we will see, it is a continual coming. It is wearing the Lord down in the place of prayer. The Bible says in Isaiah, I forgot which chapter, he says, give me no rest. Give me no rest. And in context, he's he's talking about prayer warriors. He's talking about those who he has set as watchmen. And he says, put the Lord in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. God doesn't forget, but he wants you to keep pressing. He wants you to keep asking. So Jesus didn't just say this one time and it was one scripture and that would be sufficient. That would be enough to warrant our confidence. It's all throughout the Gospels. Whatever you wish, ask. Whatsoever you will, ask. And it will be given. Here's the second aspect that you must understand. Hold on, let's just read. I'm not going to spend much time on these following verses. Give us each day our daily bread. Uh, So there's a necessity for reliance upon God for daily sustenance, but also for spiritual sustenance. Forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. This is significant. The Bible says that um, the the Bible speaks to to husbands and says you know to live with your wives. Basically, the the I, I can't cite it word for word, but the idea is um, don't live at hostility with one another because that will hinder your prayers. So this need of confession, while we should forgive, on what basis? Because God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. But secondly, if you don't, it will it will prevent the reaping of benefits in your life because it's hindering your prayers. So it's even for your own sake that you forgive. Have you ever seen that meme of the man that's holding a rope and he is there's a rock, a humongous boulder attached to that rope and he's trying to go uphill? But he's prevented from doing so. And it's because he's holding on to something. And when we let that go. We're able to get to our destiny. We're able to get to our destination. See. Let's continue. Verse 5, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. (laughs) Get away. Midnight. Well, maybe this is an exception for you night owls, but suppose the man had to get up, you know, very early or whatever. Um, his friendship didn't get for him the results he wanted. You see that? This was a friend. And so, even friendship was not enough. In other words, just because you're a friend of God, and the Bible does say, um, just because the Bible says we are friends of God, Sometimes that's not enough. But here's why it says, <clears throat> "Do not bother me. The door is now shut. so So God closes a door on your face. He says, "Don't bother me." Wow. and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. He didn't even say I, I will not get up. He says I cannot. He's probably that tired. Probably or, or who knows, maybe it was it was winter and he was really comfortable with the fire on or something. Fire in the chimney is just relaxing. Sipping on some coffee. <laughs> right? He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, or in other words, his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. You know, I was watching this man who has a travel channel, and he traveled to, I think, he traveled to some very, very impoverished place. And there was a man that was asking him for money, right? And the guy said, nah, nah, I don't got no money. No lie. This this guy that was asking for money literally followed him around for about twenty or thirty minutes, and kept asking him and asking. <laughs> I, I would have called the cops or something. Like you're really getting on my, you're harassing me. <laughs> Get away. Um. But the but the idea though was that he was so persistent. <clears throat> Are you there yet? (laughs) So friendship did not get him his request. Persistence did. Persistence. You know, many of us would fold at at the third... uh, Of someone asking the third time for $5 outside of Walmart or outside of some sort of grocery store... Suppose, or maybe you wouldn't budget the third request, but I can tell you this, if some guy asked me 20 times, the, the, the repetition of so many requests of me hearing is more annoying than me having to fork up five bucks. Let's say I was going to use that for like food or something. It's like this annoyance is greater of a disturbance to me than my growling belly. So I, I'm going to fork this up because I'm now at this point I'm just buying my comfort. You get what I'm saying? Alright, alright, just go. 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 Alright, leave me alone. That's that's I mean, maybe you guys are more Christian than me, but that's how I imagine myself responding. <laughs> oh, come on now. <clears throat> but the idea though that I want to hint at is that persistence is needed. So many times I hear believers growing in discouragement because they say that I've been praying for this for three months or I've been praying for the same thing for a month. (laughs) I'll act like I didn't read that. Um there's believers that pray for a month or two months and and they still have not obtained answers you know there was this thing that I seen on Facebook and there was this experiment not that I recommend any experiments with animals or rats or whatever <clears throat> but there was an experiment that I guess, I don't know if they're a scientist or what. They they experimented with some rats and they placed them in like this jar of water. And the rats were, had only lasted keeping themselves afloat for 15 minutes. And then they all sunk. But they didn't allow the rats to die. What they did is they pulled out the rats, allowed them to gain a little bit of rest, and they dropped them back And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, those rats lasted 48 hours the second time, keeping themselves afloat. Because with the expectation of rescue, it helped them to persist. And so how much more when we know that God will do what He said He will do. He will stand by His word. He will come through. If we know that he will come through and that he will do what he said he will do, how much more should that warrant, influence, and motivate us for persistence? We have to take a look at the word of God and understand that we can be certain. We can be certain that he will answer he will respond <clears throat> but i want i want you to take note of this too this is another aspect is you have to have a level of expectation and you must be praying specifically because what does the bible say it says um verse 8 I tell you though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his persistence he will rise and get him whatever he needs and I I tell you ask and it will be given seek and you will find knock and it will be open so when you are knocking on a specific door God is not going to open a different door than the one that you're knocking on. And so there is an it involved in your life of prayer. And what is it that you are praying for? There is specific. There is specificity. You must identify what it is that you are expecting to receive. But if you keep your prayer so general... How can you expect for it to come into your life? Some people pray, oh, I just want the whole world to be saved. Or they'll say, oh, just save, um, save America. It's like, let's begin to specify who we want saved. And I get that there's national prayers, but let that not be the extent of your life of prayer. Begin to hone in on what it really is, and who it really is, and what you really want. And when you really want it. But see the problem is. A lot of us may not be doing that. Because we don't really believe. It takes too much. It puts too much on stake. Right. For example. Those who. Um, um, like. There are some people that I've seen that will intentionally keep things very vague when they start prophesying about national events. They are saying, I see a catastrophe coming. Oh yeah, what? When? Where? I mean, <laughs> sorry, but that's what I see a lot. Like, can you give me directions, like when is this going to happen, who is going to be involved, where is this going to be located? What do you mean by catastrophe? What What is the aftermath? Can you give me, I mean, if God has really spoken, I see that's the way that the prophets prophesied about some of these very uh, vivid events, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, but they do that. Because it won't cost them any. You can't. It's too vague. It's too blurry. It's too general. And so. In, in like manner. In a very similar way. Are we pr- praying too generally. To know if the things that we're praying for. Actually comes into our lives. How many answered prayers God may have in fact given you but you've prayed so generally you didn't even know that it came into your life <clears throat> you say I'm praying for strength well strength for what say Lord I, I need strength because I want to get up at this time and I want to be I want to be able to avoid all manner of distraction and and I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Right, begin to be be specific. <clears throat> the man didn't knock, and you know, ask for, and we'll see right here. Let's continue reading. It says, and I tell you, verse nine: Ask, and it will be given to you; seek, and you will find; knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and so you might say i'm just a second grade christian or i you know i'm i'm less than or i'm beneath and so no the bible doesn't exclude you it says whoever that's what's called a universal quantifier it's placing everybody within the quantity included so it's saying everyone it's everyone doesn't mean everyone except you Right? So, this is a promise for us, for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? So, the confidence that we have is also that the Lord is our Father. Right? I mean, just think about it in very natural terms. When you ask something of your sibling or of your friend or your brother or sister in Christ, and you ask for something specific, do you expect to get something different in return? Like, If you ask me, hey brother, do you got a book by Paul Washer you can lend me or you can give to me? You should not be expecting a book by Joel Osteen. (laughs) There is a level of expectation that you should have for a specific request. Right? So, what leads us to believe That it is any different than with God. (laughs) Gummy bear books. What leads us to believe that it's any different with the Lord? (coughs) What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know, I want to read a couple of verses here. Um, In Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. And it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the True One, Who has the key of David, Who opens and no one will shut, Who shuts and no one opens, I know your works, Behold I have set before you an open door. Doors grant access, Or they prevent access. And the scriptures are telling me that Jesus, the the great door, he says, I am that door, right? He holds the key of David. So he has the key to open doors in your life. And he has authority to shut and to open. Right? And who sets before us open doors? It's the Lord. And How do I know that prayer is an answer to open doors? We see it right there in Luke 11. But also in Colossians chapter 4 verse 3 says, And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Right. So prayer is going to grant you access that you may not have otherwise had if you did not pray. Prayer is the key to open doors, but particularly persistent prayer, because you may hear the Lord say, I will not get up. I cannot get up. It is midnight now. The door is shut. And that may be a test to to test your faith. And you have a choice. Am I going to sink down in discouragement and believe that my father is reluctant to give me the answers? Or am I going to lay hold of his garment and say, I will not leave until you bless me. I'm going to wrestle with you all night until you answer me. And so I'm going to continue to knock and knock and knock until the door is opened. How do we get the faith to pray? Is to pray. That might sound circular. But the more you begin to see God answer. The more you cannot help but to believe. That you will get results. And so that may be believing Him for things that aren't vast. It might be so small but praying nonetheless, and, and now you have this strengthened faith. The Bible says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I cannot, and, and I don't sell, I don't intend on sounding boastful. I'm not going to say as if I don't have my days of doubt because I certainly do, but today I feel like I cannot help but to believe. Let me tell you this wonderful testimony. I remember some time back, um Back in 2018, um, I was holding a prayer meeting. In fact, I, I held a prayer meeting from 2000 and, uh, what was it? 2016 until uh, 2020. <coughs> and we would pray every week for years, sometimes to two in the morning. It was a glorious time. It we'll would start at seven we'll, we'll close at midnight one in the morning but um at the prayer meeting I asked the the saints I said you know um I feel like the Lord has been putting on my heart to get into the uh juvenile hall and uh as you some of you know when I was a juvenile, I got locked up and I got faced with felony charges. I spent time in there and whatnot. And uh, so when I got saved, I wanted to return back and preach the gospel in there. Right? But um, I never had a chance to, but it began to stir in my heart. I said, you know what? I, I want <clears throat> to go into the juvenile hall and preach. So um, let us pray. Um, and so... We began praying, and we came in agreement. I had expectation and didn't know how it would happen. (laughs) It's amazing how it happened. So the following week, I have um, um, class in my public speaking class, and it's the first week. And um, the teacher pairs us up in groups. And he's telling us to tell of a time that was A life-changing event in our lives okay so I'm in a group of five and in this group I'm in class I'm at a secular college and God gives me two prophetic words for two people that I didn't know Uh, one in one case there was this girl um, she was actually from the Philippines she was in the the, the, she got enlisted into the uh, US Navy and whatnot she became American citizen and everything but the Lord showed me she had pain in her back and in her ankles and so we're in class, and I say, hey, I know this sounds random. I said, but you experience pain in your back and your, and your ankles, huh? He's all, oh, how'd you know that? <laughs> and then the Lord showed me something else for another person. But anyways, what does that have to do with the, the story? <clears throat> there happened to be a Christian in that group, so that when I shared that, he began to share his Christian experience about how he had gone on a missions trip and how that one time he was at church, he, there was an evangelist, got a prophetic word, that he was dealing with migraines, prayed for a healing. He got healed. I said, well, let's pray for this sister to, to get healed. I guess she was a believer in the Lord. I said, let's pray for her to get healed. So we, got, we went to pray for her after class. But check this out. That's not the extent of the story. That brother, um, I ended up talking with him the following week. And I shared with him my, you know, testimony. We got to know each other whatnot. An entire Bible study emerged from that class that I held an hour before class for an entire week. So there were like a total of like four or five people that would come. <clears throat> and I shared with him my testimony. And he said, uh, oh, you got locked up? Where'd you get locked up at? And I said, oh, you know, here. And he says, my dad goes there. He preaches every week. I said, what? I said, just last week I was praying for me to get in. Could you ask your dad if I can get in and preach? And so he says, yeah. And so he tells his dad and his dad sets up an appointment for me to, you know, to talk with me and everything. And so in about like a month later, I'm in the juvenile hall. And it all began because I said, I believe the Lord is saying that he wants me to get into the juvenile hall. Let us begin to pray. And so it was all these little working pieces that are far be outside of my control. And yet God answered. And I can tell you testimony after testimony after testimony of many things like that, where the Lord answered my prayers. So now I am I don't claim at all to be some sort of elite Christian. I don't believe in that. All I believe is that there's a mighty God who wants to answer the prayers of his people. And it's going to take persistency and it's going to take a heart that believes that he actually wants to answer. Jesus was impressed by faith. Skills, oratory skills, knowledge, wisdom, none of that impressed him. You know what always impressed him? is faith. You might say, I don't have very much faith. Do you feel weak? Do you feel incapable? Because those are the schoolmasters that will educate you in the school of faith. Is I cannot do this. God, I need your help. Lord Jesus, I can't do this. Please help me. Amen, I like that. What prayers cannot do, more prayers will do. But are you needy? Are you weak? (coughs) Are you hungry? Do you need doors opened? Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking... To me, like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. John says that in, in on the Lord's day, he was in the spirit on the island of Patmos. Well, how do you get in the spirit? You get in the spirit by praying. And in the fourth chapter, he receives this revelation of an open door. And there's a voice saying, come up here come this is where your destiny is at this is where the purposes of god lie and jesus has the key to open up these doors but they will remain closed until you begin to knock with persistence and say you know what i don't want to stay here any longer i need to get to where god wants me to go and i'm going to go and live with purpose and i'm going to have the holy spirit thrust me into the plans of god but god will not grant what you will not ask for And He's inviting you, He says, come up here. Become elevated in the Spirit. Elevate yourself above the the natural planes. You need to have an ascension view to be able to see in the Spirit and see what God wants for your life. But you know what it takes for you to climb up the mountain and sometimes it is a lonely place and it takes work to get there. Sometimes that means leaving other people behind and if you cannot have a solitary life That doesn't mean that there's no room for fellowship, no room for association, no room for friendship, but you know what? God grants His greatest of times and blessings to those who say, I'm lonely and I need you and I want you and I can't live without you and I'm willing to separate myself from all these other people because I need God I need your presence. I need more of Him. And so there's this bittersweet experience of pain in the flesh, but He accompanies it by the glorious revelations and blessings and comforts of the Holy Spirit. Oh man, some of the greatest times I've had were the times I was most distraught. I was most lonely, most in pain. And yet the Lord would draw nigh to me The spirit drove Jesus in the wilderness, not the devil. The spirit drove him in the wilderness. But you know what happened when he began to rely on the father in that wilderness experience is that afterward, after 40 days, the Bible says, then he went out in the power of the spirit. Bible says of his life that he offered up strong crying with tears from him who was able to save him from death and he was heard in that he was reverent he he was dependent upon the Lord in those wilderness moments but the devil will do what what he can to get you to rely on self in that wilderness, here you're the son of God. Turn these bread, turn these stones into bread. You're, you've been single for a long time. You just get married already. Who cares about waiting on God? Forget that. Come on, you're entitled. You deserve that. come on now you know these waiting games are too long God is withholding no better yet it is God the Lord is uh, definitely speaking but what did Jesus say it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The devil says, Cast yourself down, for he commanded his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He says, No, don't test the Lord your God. He says, he, he he takes him to a pinnacle <coughs> and says, all this I would give you, if you would just bow down and worship me. He says, get, get out of here, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve only him. But you know what this? The Bible says in the Psalms, it was prophesied of Jesus that he shall inherit the nation. So the devil was trying to give to Jesus prematurely what the father had already given him. Sometimes if you do not wait, you will prematurely get what you wanted, but it will turn out to be a curse. It will turn out for our bad. And God will forgive. But you know what? There are some things that David did that, as a result of that, bloodshed and sword and fight did not leave his house. You may be forgiven, you may be restored, but it comes at the cost of constant battle, constant bloodshed, constant fight. But yet when we wait, when we wait and we're persistent, we keep waiting on the Lord in prayer and say, you know what Lord, this has been a long time, but I'm going to continue to be persistent because I believe that eventually you will open this door and in the right time you will give me my heart's desire without sorrow accompanying it. Sorrow would not be added to this. The Bible says that the blessings of the Lord makes rich and he does not add sorrow to it. That's what God wants to give you, what he wants to give me, what he he wants to provide for our lives. But it's going to require waiting, it's going to require trial, it's going to require persistence. Keep praying, keep pressing in, and keep going. Because the devil will give you prematurely what you want, and he will tell you to take matters into your own hand. But God is saying, I have much for you, just wait. I am not withholding, just wait. I will come through, but wait. Because sometimes it's in those waiting moments where the Lord is saying, be persistent, that He's working on your character to make you suitable of a man, suitable of a woman, for the very thing that He will bring into your life. If you don't, it will ruin you or you will ruin it. So God is not withholding. He's protecting. He's protecting. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Now, I've said this before. I said, you know, sadly, sometimes people, when you're in the world, you're willing to wait on the drug dealer longer than you're willing to wait on God. I remember those days we'd be like, hey bro, you mobile? Yeah. All right, slide through. Alright, I'll be there in thirty minutes. It's like five hours later. Are we willing to wait on him and be persistent? You know, David was anointed king at a very young age. He was anointed king. I love I love David. I really I I I love how he was a worshiper of God. I love his character. They overheard him, they they were eavesdropping on him and said, you know, um, um, he said, "Oh, how I long for the waters of Bethlehem!" And some guys risked their lives for him and he re- retrieved him water. Anyone like this psh, dumped it out. He says, "I can't receive that without a sacrifice." Of God forbid! I love that character. Like heck no. You guys, you guys put your lives in jeopardy. I can't take that. I didn't even do anything. But David was a great example of a worshiper who wanted God's heart more than anything. And he was anointed king. And yet, you know what his eyes would have told him? But there's another man on the throne, David. And yet he waited for... I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong on the exact amount. I believe he waited 13 years. God was educating him to defeat a lion, to defeat a bear, to defeat a Goliath. And those were prerequisites for when he would be in his kingly position to slay his tens of thousands. But coming to a close, I want to read Isaiah chapter twenty-two. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and your kindness, your goodness, O oh Lord. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter twenty-two verse. 22, and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut and none shall open. The Lord has the key. You know, I love when certain people try to undercut me in my life and do certain things and try to finesse and you know, because you'll have that as a Christian, people try to come against you, and I'm not threatened one bit. I'm like we shall see you know why? Because I know my heart that it wants God's will, <clears throat> and I know he's gonna shut doors in your face he's gonna open them open doors right in front of my face. I know it because you cannot. You cannot try to undercut God's purposes. It ain't going to happen. And so when people are coming against you and you're in the will of God, have confidence. Because God's going to slam doors right in front of their face. And he will move, he will cut down every Pharaoh, he will open every Red Sea, he will be with you in every single fire. But this is the prerequisite. Do I want what God wants? <clears throat> but he has the keys. <clears throat> but are we willing to wait? Are we willing to persist? And what did David say? He says, I love the Lord because he has heard my cry. I love the Lord because He has heard my cry. He says, My voice has entered into His ears. He has heard me from His holy temple. Now know I <coughs> that the Lord saves His anointed. It says that in Psalm 9. It says, Answer me speedily, O Lord. you just look at the Psalms and see how many times David just prayed and cried out, it says, The Lord will answer me. So I want to ask us this question. Do we have confidence today that the Lord will answer? (coughs) (coughs) Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for your gracious heart we thank you father for your loving kindness your tender mercies we thank you Lord that you're the God that answers prayer Lord, you have commanded us to pray so Lord we know that you are the God that answers those very prayers no good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly Father, I pray that you would confer confidence in our hearts, that we would believe you. Lord, we will not be, uh, we will not draw back in unbelief. But Father, I pray that you would begin to help us to see that you intend on opening doors that no man can shut, and you intend on shutting no do- the doors that no man can open. Lord, you intend on opening doors that no demon can shut, no devil can shut. Father, help us to persist in this holy art of prayer, to believe you and have joy therein. Father, I pray, God, that the, that there will be no famine, no locusts or, or palm worms eating up, Lord God, the blessings that you intend on bestowing upon us, Lord. I pray that famine would not reach, Lord God, the storehouse of, of of answered prayers, Lord. I pray, God, in Jesus' mighty name for there to be a fruitful, flourishing, Lord God, in your answers to our prayers, Lord. But, Father, give us the character to continue to persist, to continue, Lord God, to believe you, to be importunate and desperate and lay hold of all your precious promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for every heart that is discouraged, Lord, that is struggling to believe you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would help them. Help help us all, Lord, to grow in faith, to grow in expectation. Father, I, lastly, Lord, I just pray that the devil will not come and take away what you have sown in our hearts, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen.